sometimes I wonder why I spent the lonely night dreaming of a song, the melody. Welcome to Subtle Beast, everybody. I am your host, Foltz. With me, as always, my main man and partner in crime, Mr. Steve Apostolopoulos. How are you, brother? I'm feeling good today, Foltz. How are you? I'm doing good, except, uh, you know, we don't do too much griping on this show. I mean, we try and keep it pretty positive and not, uh, you know, complain about too many things going on. But I have to say, the prices of stuff, gasoline, prices on food increasing, and uh, if, if you can find it, what you're looking for on the shelves anymore. I mean, I got a family of six to feed, and... uh you know, you go for one particular thing, and now you're looking for it online. And the closest grocery store that has maybe four of them is 40 miles away. The prices are outrageous for everything right now. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, uh, you know, we're going to delve deep into it tonight on the, on the podcast. But, you know, people are saying that, oh, they just don't have enough, uh, like, truckers to get all of the, uh, the products from the ports. And uh, that couldn't be further from the truth. There's actually, there, there's plenty of truckers, but um, there's, there's uh, been mandates and laws made in, in California that are prohibiting a lot of these truckers. Um, I think I have a list here somewhere that I had. Let me just see if I can find it. Because, uh, yeah, it says, uh, you know, why are the docks backed up so much? California laws... The trucker must be a union driver, must be fleet and not private-owned truck. No driver under 21. Now, that's a federal law. but And also, truck must be 2012 or newer in California. Strict regulations. So strict. So we don't have a shortage of truckers. We have a plethora of laws and mandates coming down that are preventing these truckers. But luckily, places like uh, Texas and Louisiana and Florida are now reaching out and having a lot of these um, ships that have these goods on them being uh, rerouted. Now, granted, that may be a short-term solution to a long-term problem that's coming up. And, uh, well, that's basically what we're going to be talking about here tonight and you know, what, what we can expect in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the near future. Yeah, I think that under... The undertones of some of these subjects may be regulation. Um, the undertones of some of these subjects may be the fact that there are gaps in our infrastructure security. So a lot of topics, a lot of stuff to cover. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's jump right in because, uh, you know, as we were talking about the shortages with, uh, uh, you know, going to the grocery store and not being able to find what you want, that's what we're going to uh, delve into here first. So... First thing that we have here is uh, there's a billionaire supermarket owner, and he's warning everybody of high prices, and he's saying that they're going to stick around until at least mid-2022. Now, this man is uh, CEO John Castamatis, and uh, he owns Gristidi's uh, supermarket chain, and he calls for inflation. He, well, he calls inflation a tax on the poor and middle class. Now, the CEO, the billionaire... 
of New York City supermarket chain Gracidis warned that higher prices for things like food and gas will stick around at least until mid-2022. Castamidis made the prediction, speaking with Fox News' Neil Cavuto during the Fox business special inflation in America shortly after it was revealed that U.S. consumer prices last month accelerated at their fastest annual pace in 13 years. Castamatis told Cavuto that inflation is really a tax on the poor and a tax on the middle class because when corporations are going to be taxed and they pass it down to the store, guess what? They're going to raise the prices. They will either raise the prices or go bankrupt. The consumer price index rose 5.4% a year, uh, year over year in September, according to the Labor Department, matching the July reading for the hottest print since 2008. Prices increased 0.4% month over month. Analysts surveyed by Refinitiv were expecting price rises of 5.3% annually and 0.3% in September. I love this article because it breaks down the actuals. So if you're thinking, boy, this seems like uh, it's getting more expensive. Well, these are the reasons why. Inflation just in September went up 5.4%. And there's some more numbers to follow. So listen up. Yes. Well, food prices, for example, they jumped 0.9% last month and are now up 4.6% annually, according to the index. The prices for meat, poultry, fish, and eggs soared 10.5% this year, while beef prices climbed a whopping 17.6%, and fruits and vegetables rose 3%. Steve, what did you pay for? Uh, just just this week, I ordered a pound of pastrami over the deli counter, 18 and a quarter for the wow. pound. But if, if someone's eating that, they better be putting it in a sandwich, no eating out of the bag for a snack. No, I don't let people do that. No, I, I put <laughs> Steve's it in a got sandwich. a separate fridge for I got, that. I put it with Thousand Island, Munster Cheese. I make good sandwiches. Sounds banging. Castamitas noted that the companies are faced with higher input cost, and that leads to higher prices at the grocery store. He stressed that companies don't want to have a bad quarter, so they're passing along the higher cost to the consumer. Americans are also dealing with soaring costs for energy, which climbed 1.3% in September and is now up 24.8% over the past year, according to the Consumer Price Index. For Americans earning the median annual income of about $70,000, inflation has forced them to spend an extra $175 a month on food, gas, and housing. The New York Post reported it, citing Mark Sandy, the chief economic or economist for Moody's Analytics. Castamitis, who is also the CEO of United Re- Refining, argued that higher prices Americans are seeing for gas started the first week Biden was in office, and he killed the pipeline. In a series of orders aimed at combating climate change, President Biden temporarily suspended the issuance of oil and gas permits on federal lands and waters and canceled the Keystone Oil Pipeline project. President Biden revoked the permit for 1,700-mile pipeline on his first day in office, ending a project that was expected to employ more than 11,000 Americans this year. Castamitas pointed out that under former President Trump, America was producing more oil every day compared to now. He noticed that the price of oil went from $40 a barrel to about $80 a barrel since President Biden has been in office. West West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil slid $0.71 to $79.93 a barrel. Don't kill America, Castamitas said 
arguing that the dominant player in the oil industry is now Russia. We turned it over to the Russians, he said. Gas prices have jumped across the nation, leaving only six states with prices under $3 per gallon. The national average stood at $3.29, slightly higher from the day before, and a dollar and eleven more than the same time last year, according to AAA. The key driver for this recent rise in price of gas is crude oil, which typically accounts of between 50 and 60 percent of price jump. Andrew Gross, a AAA spokesperson, said, and last week's decision by OPEC and its oil-producing allies to not increase production further only exasperate, exacerbated the upward momentum for crude oil prices. Crude oil fell to $82.79 a barrel. Two days earlier, the global oil benchmark reached $84.60, its highest price since October of 2018. Now, Castamita stressed <clears throat> pardon me, that when crude oil goes from $40 to $80 a barrel, and the United States reduced production and we're getting screwed up in Canada with the pipeline situation, not getting our crude oil from Canada, what happens? The price went up to $80 a barrel, and we're paying Russian President Vladimir Putin, and we're paying OPEC $80 a barrel for the crude oil. He then explained that the increased price for oil leads to higher prices for food because everything is delivered to grocery stores by truck. Castamidis added that the price hikes for manufacturers are also a result of higher costs for labor, a shortage of truck drivers, as, as well as other increased input costs. Now, as we explained, it's not really a shortage of truckers. It's just truckers that aren't able to get into the ports that they need to. So, uh, that's, yeah. That's a super way to kick it off, folks. I love that because it, it breaks down the actuals. It shows you that your feeling um is 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 accurate and that just we're just talking about energy and food right there but there are there are other increases as we move through the post-covid environment that we are all incurring and it like this article says does not appear to be getting better anytime soon and may not be alleviated until after summer of next year right and that castamitas has said that um the, the price of food is going to skyrocket in the next two months in his projection, about 10%. Well, that makes it like a 33% increase in the last year on food. And there are companies that aren't spiking their prices, but you have to be careful and not be deceived. My wife brought home a bag of uh, one of our favorite chips the other day. And we always go with this one size because we love them. And uh, when I saw the bag, I was like, what's this? She was like, well, that's the new size. I said, let me guess, same price? She said, yep. So that's how they're getting around it is just giving you a few ounces less. But They're trimming it. Everybody's trimming it down right now. Yeah, they are. And it, this goes so much further than uh, you know, just shortages at the grocery store. We have other issues we have to worry about, like, uh, like even cyber threats that are going on for food and the ag sector. And... Uh, Steve, why don't you uh, brief us on that, if you will? So, oh, oh come on, hold on a second. Let me just, uh, let me pull this up real quick. Actually, you know what? I'm going to save that for later in the show. Steve, why don't you just kick off and uh, bring us in with the uh, National Security Agency? Absolutely. So National Security Agencies issue cyber threat advisory for the food and AG sector. A group of national security agencies have issued an advisory for the potential of ransomware cyber attacks against two U.S. food and agriculture organizations. 
The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, also known as CISA, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, and the National Security Agency, which is the NSA, says the advisory includes technical details, analysis of the threat, and action, actions to prevent an attack. While they didn't release uh, or identify the targets, the agency says the attack could be through black matter ransomware, a tool that developers can profit from cybercriminal affiliates who deploy it. Rob Joyce, director of cybersecurity at NSA, says the threat of cyber attacks has gone beyond impacts to a company, but has risen to a national security issue. So not only do we have to worry about our food dwindling away, we have to worry about uh, cyber attacks on every level. And, I mean, this information is coming from CISA, the FBI, the NSA. Now, regardless of how corrupt they all may be, why else would they be saying this? Because, you know, like we've said on this show many times, they have to tell you what they're up to. And, uh, unfortunately, it just seems <coughs> like it keeps getting worse. I mean, uh, the next segment that <coughs> we're going to get into is um, – CISA is warning us about a uh, water and uh, like wastewater infrastructure, like uh, like your sewer systems and such. Well, with this one, the fact that they're saying that it's going beyond a single company and turning into a complete national threat is is uh, that should carry some merit. That should carry some weight in the listener's mind. That's you know, there's some huge trillion dollar market cap businesses out there and the government is saying this is going beyond a single business and now is a national threat so you know that this stuff's going to come to fruition and you know everybody's just got to be ready for for whatever is going to take place now the cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency or CISA and the environmental protection agency and the NSA and FBI issued a joint advisory warning that the threat actors are targeting hardware and software that support drinking water and wastewater infrastructure operations. CISA said that malicious cyber threats to information and operational technology network systems and devices could affect the sector's potable water delivery wastewater management efforts. The alert states that cyber criminals are spear phishing personnel exploiting unsupported and outdated operating systems and software and capitalizing on control system devices with vulnerable firmware in an attempt to compromise facilities. In the advisory, CISA listed that five cyber incidents that occurred within the water industry between March 2019 and August of 2021 and attributed sector-specific intrusions to vulnerabilities associated with insider threats from employees with improper improperly managed credentials and ransomware attacks. Now, to, to defend against such threats, the agency and its federal partners recommended operators to conduct monitoring and adopt various mitigation pra practices related to remote access, network safety systems, and planning and operational processes. Now, they were saying, uh, I was reading something earlier that, uh, you know, the reason why they think that it was inside job or threats from um, employees is that uh, there was things with the pipeline that uh, uh, systems in the pipeline when it got shut down, they were shutting down systems that didn't need to be shut down. And 
it came into question and, and a lot of the information was pointing back to uh it seems like it was a an inside job either perpetrated by within the company or all these agencies as a conglomerate just taking control and just showing you what they can do i got two things for you on that one uh, first of all that reminds me of a movie where you know they got a guard on the inside and they shut down the camera system right at the most right at the critical part epstein <laughs> yeah that's a very good example like when epstein uh had, supposedly killed himself had his little issue and uh, you know the cameras were on the fritz right at that critical moment uh that's those are things that point to an inside job number two uh in that article the word spear phishing i had to look that one up i'm familiar with phishing that starts with a ph phishing a phishing scam maybe is something where they are putting out to the masses a bunch of emails and they're using the odds of probability that somebody is going to click on this um this email that has a virus in it or some type of ransomware in it or something bad is going to happen if you click into this a lot of times you can tell by the the email address that it comes from it'll have uh you know dot uk or some something uh european afterwards it won't be an official email address but this one is taking it a step further and it's it's spear phishing which means that they're actually targeting an individual and with that they're able to take a lot more time with an email or whatever they're using to fish this person with and really personalize it so that as soon as this person opens the document or the attachment that this malware or ransomware goes directly into their computer and if they're at work um, is able to infiltrate the system uh, to go into the infrastructure and plant this malware so that there can be destruction that occurs. So spear phishing is taking a normal phishing scam and you know singling one person out and attacking them. Yeah, so that you 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 target an employee at at a facility. They open up that email, bam, then they they've they've got into the system. They've got into the system, and usually at a high level. Right now, fear fear is growing that global energy crisis could lead to famine, and especially in some vulnerable nations. Now, the global energy crisis could escalate into a world food crisis, leading to famine in vulnerable countries unless urgent action is taken. One of the world's biggest producers of fertilizer has warned. Sven Tor Helstetter, the chief executive of Yara, which produces 8.6 million tons of key fertilizer ingredient, ammonia annually, said high gas costs meant it was curbing production in Europe by 40%. The Norwegian company, which has production facilities in more than 50 countries, including the UK, has been able to maintain supplies of its soil improvement products in Europe by importing ammonia from its facilities elsewhere in the world, where gas prices are cheaper. However, Hallstatter warned there was no guarantee that process could continue. It is important to get the message across that the energy crisis now could be the start of a food crisis. We have to pay special attention to everyone affected by higher utility and food prices. But for some, it's a question of living or not. This is about scenar scenarios of famine and, f and food scarcity. The shutdowns we are experiencing across Europe are now having an impact on fertilizer pricing globally. All of the main nutrients farmers are used, <clears throat> 
use are priced significantly higher than a year ago, partly because of the higher demand and increased cost to produce fertilizer. This is having an immediate impact. The global price on fertilizer ingredient urea, for example, now went up to $850 a ton, but a year ago it was $260 a ton. Julia Megan, the head of fertilizers for the commodity price agency ICIS, agreed there was a serious global problem. She said China was putting in place an export ban on fertilizer. Russia was considering a ban, and Turkey, a large fertilizer export, has stopped shipments. We're seeing record prices for every fertilizer type, which are all the way above the previous highs in 2008. And it's very, very serious. People don't realize that 50% of the world's food relies on fertilizers. Prices are at record high, and food shortages could be felt into the spring and summer of 2022. Farmers are talking about switching their crops from cereals such as wheat and barley, which require fertilizer containing high levels of nitrogen, to beans and pulses, which need none, she said. But this isn't only about grains. It will also impact the crops which are used to feed cattle and livestock, too. The National Farmers Union warned UK farmers were facing difficulties as a result of fertilizer price rises to triple or quadruple that of last year. They're going to grow beans. They're going to grow. You know they're what? Gonna, they're going to stop growing grain, and they're going to grow beans. It reminds me of uh, Interstellar when they were only growing corn. Now, I think it, it was it was because of an environmental issue. I don't know if it was because the ground wouldn't support other types of life because of all the sandstorms, but all these farmers that used to produce, like, soybeans and all kinds of things, now they're only growing corn and you know, when I was at the grocery store, I, I noticed that I was looking for one particular product, and I'm looking to the right of the section that I'm at, and they had like one, one. This they had the store, they had the store shelf faced, and it was like a store brand macaroni and cheese, but there was like sixty of them, but there was just one right on the face of it, and it was kind of like a product. You're probably not going to buy, but it just instead of having that bare shelf, they had the, the shelf faced with just a single store product. And I was like, man, this, this selection is dwindling quickly. Yeah, it's, it, a, it's almost like uh, being in countries that uh, are under uh, socialism. Uh, you go into a grocery store, maybe you, you went there for oranges and you leave with mayonnaise. I mean, you, can, you take what you can get. Yeah, that's it. I mean, and that's the scary thing. I mean, we're hearing about all these shortages and and now uh, on fertilizer, so you know, crops can't be grown, or they can, but they're not the ones that people are typically buying from these farmers. It's a scary time, and people need to really have this knowledge and, and be aware that it seems like we're being set up for something on a grander scale. I mean, the, you know, the with the whole. Everything that's been happening. I mean, we we had lockdowns. We had this, and well, okay. If people aren't going to lock, if people aren't going to stay home anymore, how can we make them stay home? Well, we can uh, we can make the gas prices go up a ton. We can start uh, raising the prices on food, and then we can just control about the amount of food that people have because people aren't going to go too far away from where they know that they can get food, which ultimately could probably lead to like government producing or providing us with food, like uh, like the movie Soylent Green. Uh, I don't know if anybody's seen that, but uh, the government was providing everything, even down to a product that contained human beings because of a quote-unquote food shortage. And only the rich could, affu- could afford uh, 
the the niceties in life like a like a little jar of uh candied strawberries is fifty dollars and you know uh if we don't get a grip on all this stuff that's going on in the world those types of realities aren't too far off which interestingly enough in the movie soylent green which i believe was made in the 70s uh takes place in the year 2022 so uh yeah a little foreshadowing yeah yeah it's certainly now, availability is is also at risk because production at one of two key fertilizer facilities in the UK is suspended, and the other is only continuing to operate with government financial support. While the UK usually imports a large amount of fertilizer, the global production issues may make that more expensive and difficult than usual. Tom Bradshaw, the vice president of the NFU, said there's a real urgency in this. Most farmers in the UK will not require fertilizer until February. But he said driver shortages and logistic holdups meant there, there were concerns about whether sufficient deliveries could be made to farms in time. He said farmers would also be tempted to save money by putting less fertilizer on crops, so reducing yields. We have high prices for commodities at the moment, and normally, in response to that, farmers produce more. But there is a real possibility because of the significant rise in cost, they will produce less. And that will leave the UK food produce market short next year. Hostetter said it was not clear what would happen in the, uh, in the coming months as the energy situation was very dynamic. He said the company was negotiating with clients on contracts that would help determine whether it was economical to expand production. Yara donated 4,000 tons of fertilizer to smallholder farms in Africa in partnership with the UN World Food Program. Holstetter said the company would consider a similar effort again and called on other companies to get on board. A WFP spokesperson said, we're concerned about anything that could lead to higher food prices that would tip millions more people into hunger. We have worked together in Yara on initiatives such as the Farm to Market Alliance because we're very aware we will never solve the food crisis in the world is facing without a private sector. And that, yeah, Yara is part, that was 40,000 tons to farms in Africa. So they're staving off the uh, worldwide starvation but just barely and they're saying that it's going to take private industry to get us there look i mean it's a real serious uh it's a real serious thing i mean if uh if you're married and you have kids and you have a family to take care of and there's not much food around and your kids are hungry and they're malnourished desperate men do desperate things and i don't necessarily want to live in a world where if you're walking down the st- street with a product, you got to make sure that you're heavily armed to protect your bag of flour. Right. Because looters come in out and, you know, they'll gang up and, you know, it can become a really, really scary place really, really quick. Now, Steve, take us into uh, this next one that people may not be aware of. Well, yeah, a lot of stuff that happens over there uh, people aren't aware of, but... China export curbs on fertilizer could worsen global food price shock. China's move to impose export restrictions on fertilizers will be felt worldwide. Beijing's increased scrutiny comes as global fertilizer markets have been battered by plant shutdowns and skyrocketing prices. They may continue to boost food inflation well into 2022. Chinese Communist Party officials have called for stable fertilizer supplies and food security amid overseas turmoil. On October 15th of 2021, Beijing implemented a new rule requiring additional inspection of fertilizer exports. 
The General Administration of Customs added new inspection requirements on urea to ammonium nitrate, according to Bloomberg. Last month, a statement was published on WeChat by the National Development of Reform Commission. China's top economic planner urged local authorities to ensure stable prices by keeping fertilizer plants operating despite widespread power cuts. This call for adequate fertilizer supplies is critical for the country to sustain agricultural production amid mounting food security risks. Now, see, you don't hear about widespread power cuts. And they were saying the same thing in UK about uh, plants. They were shuttering because of widespread power cuts. We're not experiencing that currently in the U.S., but it is occurring in the world so that's something to keep your eyes open to. These articles are just throwing these things in here as if it's commonplace, but we as American society and with the American media aren't getting that as a whole. We're not, we don't have our heads up looking for that because it's really not occurring in front of us. Bloomsburg sources said some recent Chinese fertilizer cargoes have been delayed by customs for additional checks to obtain new export certificates. They said some shipments would be rerouted for domestic markets to face further delays. A reduction in exports from China, a country that controls 30% of the global fertilizer market, could cause shortages in India, Pakistan, and the entire Southeast Asia, the biggest buyers of its fertilizer. Higher prices could force farmers to plant less and or have to raise crop prices. The UN's global food tracker is at a new decade high and may continue to soar higher. Signs of a fertilizer shortage have already emerged. Europe may face difficulties sourcing fertilizer supplies at multiple domestic plants that have shuttered or reduced their output of nutrients because of the high natural gas prices. China's export restrictions will make it harder for the euro area to import supplies. In Southeast America... Excuse me. In South America, farmers in Brazil reported deliveries of fertilizer and glyphosate had been canceled. Higher prices mean farmers will have to shift to wheat to other feed grains that require fewer fertilizers. Fertilizers are essential in providing crops with nutrients. If prices continue to rise, it may just increase global food prices that could eventually cause unease among folks in emerging countries. It's just one big domino effect. Canceled. I hate seeing that word. I mean, delay is one thing. Just straight out canceled their order. Yeah. Now, I don't know how many uh, candy corn fans we have out there. I am not one of them. I'm not I'm not one. Uh, you know, maybe as a kid I'd eat a piece here and there just because, but it's never something I like. But nevertheless, uh, just because uh, they're candy corn, they are – not safe from a ransomware attacks. Um, and they are, we're referring to the largest candy corn producer, and it got hit with a ransomware attack just before Halloween. <clears throat> now, candy corn lovers, beware. Candy ma manufacturer Ferrer Candy was hit with a ransomware attack earlier this month. The company is responsible for 85% of all candy corn production in the U.S. Gizmodo, first reported the ransomware attack to have occurred on October 9th. Ferreira told the online tech publication that the attack encrypted some of our systems and they were working with law enforcement. Upon discovery, 
they immediately responded to secure all systems and commence an investigation into the nature and scope of this incident. Ferreira is cooperating with law enforcement and technical team is working closely with a third-party specialist to fully restore impacted systems as safely as possible. The Chicago-based confectionery manufacturer is currently operating at limited capacity, but is hoping to fill all orders. And man, that was on October 9th, and like two weeks shy of Halloween, these guys knew what they were doing with their timing, with this ransomware, going after certain products. I mean, what's next? Candy canes, Christmas time. Well, I'll tell you, folks, this is a scary story, and this is the reason why. It may seem like, uh, you know, child's play. I have a, a candy company that is uh, shut down just before Halloween. But it's a small example of what could happen on a much larger scale. There are other companies that do produce similar percentages. This is 85% of the United States' candy corn right here that we're talking about. If you look at, and I'll use this popular culture reference to prove my point, the, there's a popular show out right now called Dope Sick. It's about the Oxycontin uh, uh, in America in the 2000s and all, almost up to within the last few years here uh, before Trump took office. Then Trump kind of shut the whole opiate craze down. But Purdue Pharma, major um, manufacturer, they, they produced all of the Oxycontin in the United States. That's a medication that at the at the time was widely spread, and although it was deemed as a uh, not a great medication, it's an example that there are companies that are in charge of producing the majority, if not all, of a product in the United States. So if they do get hit with this ransomware, which isn't that hard to find, it could shutter an entire industry in moments. So you have a medication and then a week later no one has that medication yeah i mean and that's the scary thought uh i mean we don't see that as of now um because of you know they're just they're big pharma but imagine if um you know i'll just use this for an example um you know half the country split right now between you know vaccination or or, or, or unvaccination i mean there 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 shouldn't need to be a choice but you know, th- there's been talks in different um, media outlets of you know two different subcultures breaking it down, and uh, you know, I I don't think that that's right. What do you think? No, I think that there should be, and and this is the kind of thing a food shortage or um, do we go over the wastewater? The wastewater. Sh- um, it, these are the types of things that bring us together. And when you're in this type of situation where we're coming out of a pandemic, hopefully coming out of it, right? Um, and, and you get into a debate that's as personal as a debate could be, and you have a divide, you have a split, you have one side pointing the finger at the others, and this isn't the first time we've had this in America in the last five years. We just had a very heated political race and that split the nation. Now we have vaccination, yes or no, that's splitting the nation, and it seems like we need to find things that are going to bring us back together because we're all living this human experience. We're, we're not that different. Although we want to make ourselves seem different and special, we're really not that different. So 
when you're looking at someone and they're wearing a different color, or if you're looking at someone and they don't have a vaccination, just remember they're not living an experience that, that, that is that vastly different than the experience that you are observing as well. So don't, don't necessarily jump on the other side of the fence right away and point your finger at that person and tell them they're bad because they're really not. Either way, either, either person is not bad. Acting in, in any other fashion than just pure acceptance of anybody is just, in, in, in our country, is un-American and goes against everything that freedom speaks for. Um, but look, I mean, everything that we've been talking about in this podcast, it doesn't matter who you voted for at the polls. What What's important now is that we could be facing some critical food shortages and 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 people hacking into our water systems and such and me and steve were talking about in pre-show you might think oh okay well we'll get it back no what what happens if they if they hack the water systems and the sewer systems and then all of that water or sewage then gets backed up and it just starts coming up through the toilet in, in in your sinks and into your into your home and it's completely destroyed now you can't even live there because it's a biohazard what what are we going to do because that wouldn't just be happening at your house it'd be happening on a, on a grand scale and where do we end up in some type of a dystopia possibly if we keep uh you know being divided let's uh figure out how we're going to be feeding our families and then we'll figure out uh wh- what side it's more important to be on and uh and these attackers are our borderline genius evil genius who would have ever thought to take out the sewer yeah but it's such a crucial part in the cycle of having clean water at the tap in your house without the the output you can't have any more input without the sewer system being updated fully with their hardware with their software with the with the latest systems um and their treatment plants and their recycling facilities, without having all of those things firing off, we are once again living without running water. Yeah, and we we tend to take these type of things for granted. Um, think about like if enduring a bad storm, your electricity goes out for a couple hours, but you'll still walk into certain rooms and hit the fl- and hit the switch, and you're like, oh yeah, it's out, because yeah, you didn't bring the flashlight with you. But I mean, that's how it could end up being, and. We don't want to be living in the dark ages. We need to find out how to how to fix this problem, and uh, it's only going to take the people. We can't look to government to fix this. They don't want to fix anything. It's it it has to come down to the people of the world and just unity and and take our world back and say, okay, we're going to have more hands on in what goes on in the creation of our food and the producing of it and the transporting of it, and take all these government sectors out that are saying if you have a truck that's older than uh, 2012 that you can't enter my state that just sounds crazy to me what did they think that they, that the um, whatever uh, impurities that the truck emissions. Is, yeah, the emissions that truck is creating is just it's just staying there in California that there's no winds and blowing and that as long as they keep those trucks out no the trucks are lined up at the border it's getting in anyway so let them in and and, and let us get the goods Um you know, luckily there's states like Texas and Louisiana and Florida that are rerouting some of these uh, cargo ships so that we can get some of our products. But look, if we don't get to the root of these food shortages, there's not going to be anything on those cargo ships and or countries are just going to stop 
trading with each other altogether and just mass hoarding. And then what? Well, I'll tell you that that uh, fertilizer shortage with China, China putting out 30 percent of the world's total output of fertilizer. It's not by accident. The Americans have such strict guidelines in their manufacturing that they don't want chemicals made here in America anymore. And it keeps getting pushed to different countries. And China seems like where it's all ended up. So if you don't want to have your chemicals made here in America, but you do want to use the products that are made from them, then you're going to have to deal with the imposition that China puts upon them. If China wants to keep them for their domestic use, that's their right because they're still producing those chemicals. We're trying to keep America clean, but we're dumping it on our neighbors. We're dumping it just like California. They don't want those trucks with the emissions from past 2012, so they're putting it on Arizona and Nevada and their neighbors. But really what we need to do is to fix the root of that problem. Yeah, I agree. And it's going as far as talking about Made in America when you buy products that are made in America, you really need to look into, are they made here in America or are they constructed here in America? I think I might have mentioned this on a couple podcasts, uh, couple podcasts back, but if not, um, I wear New Balance and I was looking for a pair because there's a shortage on them right now. And I was talking to one of the representatives and they said, oh yeah, well, we're still waiting on this little piece of plastic that goes in them from China to be able to you know, start making them again. And I looked at the guy and I said, well, aren't you made in America? And he really didn't know what to say. So basically, they're constructed here in America. They use parts and fabrics from America, but some of the parts and fabrics are not from America as well. Right. So, you know, you got to be careful there. So uh, what do you think? We have uh, one more section we can go over. I think we should go over it. I'm really passionate about the show uh, tonight, Fultz. Uh, it's definitely something that should be on the minds of more people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, regardless of, of what's going down, you should always have a plan, too. You should always have reserves on food, even if it's trying to get some uh, uh, you know, freeze-dried stuff. You never know what can happen. We never thought that the world would shut down either, but you know, it happened. So we need to be prepared on every level. So what we're going to talk about in this next uh, section is um, we had mentioned earlier in the podcast – Black Matter, an organization that goes after ransoms and uses ransomware. Um, Now, uh, Black Matter Ransom Crew appears to be on the verge of shutting down its operations, citing pressure from law enforcement, according to some reports. But for the group's existing victims, the nightmare is likely far from over. In translation of screen screen grabs posted to Twitter from the VX Underground Malware Respiratory Repository, sorry, The Black Matter representative said that due to unsolvable circumstances with pressure from the authorities, the Black Matter project would be closed, with its infrastructure to be turned off within the coming days. However, in the statement, the representative also appeared to address Black Matter affiliates, telling them they were still able to communicate with victims and obtain decryption tools, presumably to pass to to those that pay, although this is unconfirmed. Kevin Breen, director of cyber threat research in Immersive Labs, said that it's unfortunately meant existing black matter victims were probably not out of the woods yet. A few things we can take away from this are that it does not appear to be taken down off of their servers or infrastructure like we have seen in some recent examples. This means that any existing victims are not likely to get decryption keys handed to them. 
This is also reinforced by the second half of the message, suggesting that those companies or personal personnel already dealing with active ransoms should continue to do so just by switching their communication method and getting the decryptors now before the infrastructure is shut down. Now, Breen said it was hard to predict how black matter affiliates might respond, but those working lower down the ransomware as a, as a service, Food Chain intended to care less about who they work with, and so may just cut those losses and offer their skills to others. Wow. It's crazy, this black matter stuff. Yeah, Steve, why don't you uh, take this next section? So law enforcement operations. The, sus- the supposed cessation of black matter's activities comes just a days after a pan-European operation targeted 12 alleged ransomware operators who are believed to have conducted more than 1,800 attacks globally. Europol said that the suspects were primarily associated with the Dharma, Lakergoga, and Megacortex ransomwares, and some other unnamed variants. At the time of writing, it's unknown if Black Matter is among those variants, but some commentators are already positing a link to this operation and other recent law enforcement stings. Other recent developments, such as talk of closer cooperation between the U.S. and Russia on cybercrime, will not have gone unnoticed in the cybercriminal underground and are likely also a source of concern. Whether or not Black Matter's operators really are trying to throw law enforcement off their trail, Carl Warren, head of eCrime at Memecast, said historical precedent would suggest such announcements rarely mark the end of the road for ransomware operators. This is highly unlikely to be the end of the threat actors behind the Black Matter group, and this looks like a classic rebrand or splintering, he said. Cyber criminals that are making this much money rarely give up, as the greed that drives them to commit the crimes in the first place rarely allows them to stop. Many criminal organizations claim to shut down in an attempt to reduce the heat, just to splinter off and return after a brief hiatus under a different name. Such reinvention tactics were famously used by the operators of the now-defunct-again Re-Evil ransomware who rebranded as Re-Evil after retiring their previous project in 2019. That sounds similar to a company named Facebook that's now changing their name to Meta. Which they now found that some other company has the name Meta. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Which I'm sure Zuckerberg's not going to take care of that. Yeah, exactly. Now, is this all elaborate, elaborate hoax? In related news, the individual behind a new ransomware gang, dubbed Groove, has revealed their project was an elaborate hoax designed to an, to attract the attention of and to troll security researchers and media. Groove emerged in August on a recently created Russian-language dark web forum called Ramp. The individual behind it called for... D- disparate. Disparate ransom gangs to unite against the U.S. public sector in an attempt to establish their bona fides with a supposed list of leaked users' logins and unpatched Fortinet VPN products. According to Brian Kreps of Kreps on Security, they also ran a leak site which contained the details of a very small number of victims. However, in subsequent claims, the individual behind Groove, an apparently well-known figure who uses the handle Borsalin, said Groove Gang does not exist. 
This is the kind of trolling of Western media, and it once again shows that they are afraid of us. I was too good at manipulating the media, he said. Sounds like Fight Club. <laughs> In a blog post assessing the Groove revelations, Flashpoint Analytics said this was not the first time Russian-speaking threat actors had tried to exploit technology media to spread fear, uncertainly, uncertainty, and doubt, and that mocking Western media outlets and, and reporters is a frequent topic of conversation on dark web forums. However, added Flashpoint, the core motivation of ransomware operators being financial, one can assess with some degree of confidence that this is grandstand that this grandstanding is merely a sideshow. Per Krebs, this may be an indication that Groove was legitimate to some degree and that its operators are also turning their focus to a new project. Wow. It's scary stuff. It really is. All these different branches and sectors of different ransomware organizations. I mean they yeah. can shut down any company with ransomware. And here's the thing. The way that companies operate nowadays is everything is just-in-time delivery. Nobody wants to have a surplus of any stock at all. They want to have their delivery made that night, get uh, the product out on their shelves right before the customer gets there, have the customer come in and purchase the uh, goods so that that money hits the bank account. Nobody wants to sink their assets into stock. They want the stock to come right from the manufacturer, trucking, nobody's warehousing anything, everybody's putting everything on the shelves just in time. And with that comes an inherent risk, and the risk is that it could come just not in time. Right. I mean, in the, the CEO of those grocery stores that we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, um, he, he was saying that um, the, the the grocery stores, oh man, it slipped in my mind what my point was that I was going to make. Oh, maybe it'll come it's back. It's true. Then. The grocery stores are in bad shape right now. Everybody can see it. When you get to the grocery store and you see the lack of uh, product on the shelves, it angers you. And you can see it inside the grocery store. I'm looking at how people move through these grocery stores and people are not kind of uh, tipping their hat to the next guy like go ahead and move your cart down the the row a little bit people are getting back to that point where they were when we ran out of toilet paper they're getting back Hoarding. to that point where you're in a manic state there's people that are kind of just pushing their cart through and you're like oh get out of that guy's way well we don't want that what, what we want is to have a nice grocery store experience where people are being kind to each other, not trying to fight over the last loaf of bread, so to speak. But the the product shortage, it draws this animal instinct out of us, and it's it's really terrible. Well, and and I believe, and that comes from uh, you know government overreach. I mean, we we need to be able to do commerce without uh, uh, you know d different leaders of different countries speaking for us, and then having countries be like, oh, we're not trading with you, and all this. It's ridiculous. Because if we don't, we're going to end up in a world like uh, like Mad Max, and you're going to be trading for just your basic necessities if you can find them. Like Waterworld, they're trading for fresh water. Yeah, or, or dirt, because people haven't seen it in years. And Right. I mean, look, I mean, our world's looking a lot more like, uh, I know we did a show on movies that are foreshadowing, but it's looking a lot more like a V for Vendetta. It's looking more like um, uh, Soylent Green. It's looking more like... Uh, God, I hope it doesn't get to this point, but uh, the Wolverines of Red Dawn. 
Right. I mean, uh, people just fighting for you know, their basic right to exist. And, you know, I know that there's food hunger issues all over the world. And uh, but it seems like it's just going to get worse for countries that are in a bad position now and our our countries as a whole. So here's the thing. Start to build a supply. Every time you go to the grocery store, grab one extra thing so that when when if something happens probably when something happens then you're prepared and you don't need to feel the need to go out there and hoard don't hoard stuff don't go out there and try to buy 18 of one thing at one time because the way that inventory systems work nowadays is you get uh three of this product because you sold three of this product last week and you sold three of this product the week before so you're only going to get three of this product next week. Now you can go in there and manually change that and try and get the maximum that you're going to get. But you know what? They're probably just going to ship you three anyway. So if you don't need three of something right at one time, just get one extra thing. Build your supply up now so that you have a little bit of back uh, stock. And that way if you do feel pressured or if a situation occurs, you, you're not um, desperate. Yeah, and I, I remember the what I was going to say was that that CEO of the grocery store, a point that he was making was um, you're gonna when you start to notice these price heights in the next couple months of up to 10%, that you're going to see uh, large companies starting to pull their advertising too to save money. They're going to increase their prices and pull advertising, which will be interesting to see over the Christmas holiday. I mean, because uh, you know there's some companies out there that do some pretty creative things, but... You know, people aren't going to want to see your advertisement when you just jacked the prices. Plus, on top of that, uh, they're just basically doing that to, to save a dime, too. Right. Supply and demand states that if there's such a great demand that you can't keep your, stu your, your stock out there on the shelves, you don't need to promote it. Exactly right. So, I mean, I'm thinking that, it, uh, you know, we're pretty close to, to wrapping this podcast up. And I just want to say that... Uh, you know, regardless of what's going on in the world, have a plan. Be ready. You never know what may come down the pike. We're being threatened with cyber attacks and on our water and food shortages all around the world. And fertilizer to even be able to produce crops. Have a plan because uh, if you're just going to sit back and be idle and just think, ah, this will pass, it's not looking that way. Just on the wrap, my final thought here is to display your compassion everyone has compassion inside of them but that's not where compassion should live compassion should live outside of them when you're in a public area and you display compassion it's contagious and others display it afterwards uh, the last thing you need to do is to display poor etiquette or uh, poor behavior or conduct because that too is contagious and spreads to others displaying the worst sides of themselves so the best thing we can do is to engage in a positive upward spiral of society civility and display compassion towards one another yeah, well said treat everybody like it's you living another life exactly well I had a lot of fun, and I have to say that, you know, even the information in this uh, podcast can be scary. Again, just have a plan. Be ready. And, uh, you know, just keep a, keep an eye on things. Stay informed. Follow Subtle Beast. We'll keep you informed with what you need to know going forward. And, uh, you know, until next time, I'm Volts. And I'm Steve. And we'll see you next time. Take care of one another. Bye-bye.